Every year, one thing is always predictable. Postage costs go up. Stamps.com gives you crazy discounts for up to 89% off USPS and UPS services, so your business will barely notice the change. Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million businesses just like yours. It's like your own personal post office. No lines, no traffic, no waiting. Sign up with promo code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com code PROGRAM. Hello and welcome to History for Weirdos. We're your hosts, Andrew and Stephanie. And each week, we're going to take you on a journey into the strange, obscure, and relentlessly entertaining corners of human history. Now listen up, friends, because it's about to get weird. Welcome to episode 115, weirdos. Wow. Wow. 115. Already. I know. And weirdos, hopefully the new year has treated you well. I know it's treated us mostly well. (laughs) And then decided to... Speak for yourself. Yeah. I was going to say, and then decided to just dump on Stephanie. (laughs) She's really sick today. So we're actually not doing video. Yes, for everyone's sake, I'm not on video today, (laughs) and maybe you can hear I still sound a little sick, but regardless, I am really excited to hear the episode that you have planned for us today, because you've dropped little, like, tidbits of information, and I'm just hooked already. I know that you would love this episode, part of the reason why I picked it, honestly. Really? Yeah. Oh my gosh, you like me. (laughs) And, by the way... Guys, I'm just going to like riz up my co-host a little bit right now <laughs> to use like some Gen Z lingo. Uh, I think you still look beautiful. Oh, <laughs> that's so sweet. So- <laughs> you guys, that's that's love right there. <laughs> Cue like everyone listening to this right now just like barfing in disgust. No, that's very sweet to hear when you're all like icky. <laughs> it's nice. Thank you so much. So I'm being charmed this morning is yes. what you're telling me. You're getting charmed and you mm-hmm. get to listen to story time. That's always really good when you're sick is story time. I mean, okay, let's be real for a second. Like when you're sick, yeah, story time is amazing. That's I mean, wh- story time is amazing when you're not sick. That's why I fell asleep yesterday watching Cinderella. <laughs> oh <my> God, Because <laughs> I needed some story time in my life. Don't we all? Don't we all? So tell me, my love, what do you have planned for us today? Okay, so we're going to go back to ancient Rome, guys, <laughs> which is, let's be real, it's my favorite. I'm shocked. I tried to spread it around, but ancient Rome has my heart, mm-hmm. as well as like pretty much all of the ancient world, but specifically Rome. Right. So when we think of intrigue and assassination plots in ancient Rome, we often think of the circumstances surrounding Julius Caesar mm-hmm. and also like the Roman emperor Caligula. Yeah, I'd say so. Basically getting stabbed to death or death by shanking, if you will. <laughs> death by shanking. That's definitely <laughs> what the Romans called it. Yes. Very <laughs> violent and sudden ends. Yeah. But when we get to like the assassination of another Roman emperor, Commodus, which for reference would have been around like 250 years after the death of Caesar, he was mm. infamously strangled to death in his bathtub in 192 AD on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. So he did not have a great New Year's 
192, 193. I'd say worse than me. Yeah, even worse than you. Mm-hmm. You know, however, with his case, that was actually the backup plan. He was first poisoned, but the concoction evidently did not work. Right. So they had to result to strangling him in his bathtub, I'm sure, as one does. I'm sure lots of people wanted Commodus dead. Oh, yeah. Oh, For yeah. backstory, tell me, correct me if I'm wrong, but for the weirdos who may not know, Commodus was the emperor who would fake gladiatorial games. Yes, he would actually participate as a gladiator, mm-hmm. a Roman emperor, which to Roman sensibilities, this was just beyond outrageous, like Very bordering absurdity. Yeah. yeah. Um, but not only that, it's not like he was an incredible fighter and he would beat these people like on one-on-one combat. Uh, no, they would dole the other person's weapons. They would even like um, like hamstring them mm-hmm. in ways so like to make him look great. So there was never a fair fight with him. Yeah, it's and disgusting. If you have seen the movie Gladiator, not historically accurate, but an amazing movie nonetheless, <laughs> Joaquin Phoenix plays Commodus. Yes, yes, yes. And the temperament, I feel like with Commodus, um, or like... With Joaquin... Wa- yes, with Joaquin Phoenix playing Commodus, uh-huh. I think that's fairly accurate. Like a brat? Like a just a brat. Yeah. Yeah, just a self centered spoiled brat yeah that's why i I think a lot of people probably wanted him dead so no wonder there's like poisoning attempts and it sounds like there were plots and then they're like f it we're just gonna strangle him in the bathtub (laughs) pretty much gotta get rid of this dude (laughs) so anyways this is a long way winded way of me saying that um poison was very common but a lot of times Mm. was ineffectual depending on the circumstances right um, very common way to assassinate people in the Greco-Roman world. Mm-hmm. So, though, although this is not to say that like the old-fashioned way of like sword and dagger wasn't really at any point in history not a common way to dispose of enemies, maybe except like very recently. Mm-hmm. But that's a again a recent phenomenon. That would be so wild if like world leaders did that to each other. Just like some world <laughs> shanked leaders each other. shanked, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, not funny. <laughs> You're like laughing. I'm sorry, not funny. Not funny. But a certain person would become known as kind of like an OG of poisonings in ancient Rome or mm-hmm. the Roman world. Someone who was actually incredibly adept mm-hmm. of getting rid of people in a more subtle way. She is sometimes known as the first serial killer in history. Whoa. Although for the purpose of our episode today, she is known simply as Lacusta of Gaul. Lacusta of Gaul. Got it. We'll also talk briefly about why I personally don't consider her a serial killer, but I certainly won't hold it against you if by the end of the episode you do. Okay. Interesting. Again, that's my personal interpretation, and I very well could be wrong. She was the official poisoner of Emperor Nero, like a state-sponsored poisoner. Yes. Wow, Nero. <laughs> like his cabinet member kind of, of thing, but for poisoning. Exactly. Okay. Uh, so she had like considerable influence during like, the early Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. So before we just dive right into the episode, I have to give some background into what Rome was like during her lifetime. Mm-hmm. around like the mid first century AD. So Rome was in the midst of what would ultimately be a 200 year period where the interior of the empire was free from war called Pax Romana. Yeah. And 
don't get it confused. Like Rome was still in an ascendant phase and was constantly at wars abroad. But those, again, were on the borders of the empire and beyond the limits of the empire. It did not actually affect like the day-to-day lives of Roman citizens. Yeah, that's why you said the interior. Exactly. Uh Um, In the Western world especially, we have become very accustomed to lives without war. Yeah. But this is, again, like a very modern phenomenon. So the fact that it was happening in Rome in the ancient world was a really big deal. Right. For the citizens, it must have felt amazing. Yes. Especially considering like in the first century BC, so like the prior century, um, was defined by civil wars Mm. where like the late Roman Republic was basically just crumbling Mm -hmm. and people were murdered in the streets, like even legally uh, because they found themselves on the wrong list, Mm -hmm. like common occurrence. In fact, Nero's own great, great grandfather, the Roman emperor Augustus, Mm was notorious for killing his political opponents by means of proscription, Mm -hmm. which again was kind of that legalized murder and theft of a person's property because they're they're on on a list. list. Yeah. Exactly. It's messed up. Did you know that Julius Caesar was very against prescription lists? You know what? (laughs) I did know that. Because he was on one once? Yes. Fun fact, guys. When Julius Caesar was about 18 years old, he was on a proscription list by a dictator of... Um, by the name of Sola, yep. like around the 70s BC. And he famously stood up to Sola as an 18-year-old boy to oh, like boy. a dictator who had unprecedented power in Roman history and was just like, no, I'm not going to divorce my wife because you don't like her. Damn. <laughs> like not even, guys. See, I knew I shouldn't have made the <laughs> comment. I knew have. I'd get you going. Yeah, so we're... That's just a fun fact. I'm moving on. I could talk about Julius <laughs> Caesar all day. So, but this episode is not about him. So, Augustus, though his um, his adopted son yeah. after his death, would end up winning the proverbial Game of Thrones at the end of the Roman Republic, and history would remember him as the f- the first emperor of Rome. Right. I mean, with his domination of public life and ascending to such heights that even Julius Caesar could not even imagine. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. One of the consequences of the centralization of power was the aforementioned peace, the Pax Romana, because you didn't have like essentially rich people in society just fighting each other. Just because. Just yeah. because. Like that would be kind of like, I know like like Bezos and Musk especially getting like little like Twitter like oh, wars. Oh yeah. But if they're Twitter wars. Like, were actual wars. Yeah. That was like the late Roman Republic. Yeah. Which is absolutely wild. So... Um, building projects also during this time, during like the first century AD and and the end, like post-Roman Republic, became really extravagant. Mm. Um, Augustus would even boast at the end of his life that he found Rome a city of bricks and left it a city of marble. Yeah, very famous quote. Yes. And again, Rome would be going through a period of intense expansionism that would not reach its zenith until actually the next century, until wow. the second century AD. So basically all of this is to say that Rome was richer than it had ever been. The games and activities were more extravagant and food was bountiful. Yeah. Things were really good for the first time in a long time. It was would have been really good to be a Roman citizen. Exactly. Like wealth disparity was still like absurd. Yeah. But it wasn't necessarily as bad as it was before during like the first century BC. And tell me, with the games that you mentioned, that like the games were really extravagant and things like that, 
could anyone go even if you were really poor could you go to these games famously yes like it was designated it was almost like classist in a way because like the um like different sections would be reserved for different people like the worst seats obviously were for like this even slaves Uh uh-huh uh and like the poor of the poor or the poorest of the poor and then like the i think the closer you got down um the the better the seats and like there were even sections reserved for only the senatorial class right only the equestrian class yeah so but yeah everyone could go that's so interesting I don't know, right? So even if like you're poor or you're enslaved and life is rough, like the government is still putting on these kind of like spectacles of entertainment for you. Yes. The famous like saying bread and circuses. Comes bread from and this. circuses. Yes. Yeah. Comes from this time, funny enough. Yeah. Because like you got free food from the government and yeah. you also got like free entertainment. Damn. That sounds nice. <laughs> Except that ain't <laughs> <not> so as well. <laughs> and again, like part of that too was like, I mean, it, they even touched in it in that show, uh, Domina, yeah. where Augustus says, like, why do you think they allow us in power? They, as in, like the common people, yeah. because like we're giving them food, we're giving them games, like yeah. we're basically distracting them from the fact that their lives sucks. Yeah, you're distracting them from the fact that they outnumber you, but they are at the bottom of the barrel. Exactly. You can live extravagant lives because you're providing this to people. Oh, so crazy, so deep, very resonant. I know, even today. Even today. That's yeah. wild. Today, even maybe possibly even more so. Yeah, but in a different way. In a different way, exactly. Yeah. So this was the Rome of the first century AD, especially like in the mid first century AD. And this is where our protagonist of the story kind of comes into play. Mm-hmm. This sort of world that we have just been talking about. Okay. So Lacusta was from the Roman province of Gaul, modern day France, which had been conquered roughly 100 years prior by Julius Caesar. Mm-hmm. And was and she was most likely captured or came to Rome before the year fifty four. We don't know. Okay. We actually know next to nothing about her life before this time. Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. And again, this is this is very typical with like ancient sources, especially when writing about women. Yeah, we don't document their lives. Yeah. Women were not important in yeah. this time period, even though they were. Right. But the men didn't see that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So we don't know who her parents were, what her upbringing in life was, but more likely she was in some capacity of servitude. Yeah. Um, but luckily enough for her, she would eventually find herself uh, in the service of Agrippina the Younger or Agrippina Minor, yeah. the wife of current Emperor Claudius and the mother to the next one, Nero. Yep. So very important person in the Julio-Claudian dynasty. A very important Agrippina. A very important Agrippina indeed. So she was particularly adept at using poison, Lacusta. Mm-hmm. Um, although she had gained this skill or like the way she had gained it is lost to us. Mm, maybe like it was like local to where she grew up. It's interesting you said that because um, it's it was speculated that she learned to concoct the poisons from her Celtic ancestors. Yeah. And like the ancient Roman writers Tacitus and Suetonius wrote that she was dedicated to her art of poisons and studied many plants and herbs. Um, and this allowed her to even invent new poisons wow. and po- potions. So she was a scientist. Yeah. I, I kind of personally imagine that this a was botanist. like a family trade. Yes. And that had been passed down. We have no way of knowing for certain, but in my mind, that's kind of how I imagine it. That's how I pictured it too, for some reason, like yeah. her grandmother and her mom teaching her. Exactly. Like, you know, cause Gaul at this point had been, you know, under Roman 
uh, occupation rule, whatever you want to call it, for about a hundred years, right? Yeah. And so, like, they were Roman, but they still had that those kind of like Celtic and like ancestral the culture like, culture. Yeah. Yeah, of course. Like it, and they at this point and moving forward, it would only blend more and more together. You kind of get this Rom- like Romano uh, Celtic subculture and yeah. But anyways, moving on, um, we know that she got to Rome in around 54 AD, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, She teamed up with two other women named Canidia and Martina, Mm -hmm. who became known as kind of a trio of witches who poisoned people. Oh, nice. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) I mean, it was common in the ancient world for people like of this trade poisoners uh, to be seen as like sorceresses and witches. Very Shakespearean. Very Shakespearean. And Locusta was referred to in many sources as like a sorceress herself. Dope. Yeah. I like it. It's very punk rock. Well, I think it makes sense, right? I said she's like a scientist. She's like a botanist, essentially. But they don't have formal sciences yet. So it's just magic to them. Kind of, like Magic yeah. and science are kind of the same thing. Yeah, exactly. That's a really good way of putting it. I mean, nothing is... It's interesting because nothing is known about the other two women. Mm-hmm. Like, literally nothing. Just that they were acquaintances with our girl, Lacusta. Yeah. So, anyways, since there was quite a bit of greed and hatred in Rome, especially during this time, like, a lot of those old like Republican values and Republican as in like the Republic, the Roman Republic, the Roman yeah. Republic were kind of gone. Yeah. Um, and so it just greed was like kind of like the central um, tenant, I guess. The rich wanted to get richer. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, you can't imagine a world like that. Can't imagine that. <laughs> Especially not today. Especially not today. Well, this positioned her really well because, uh, you know, people wanted to get rid of their political enemies, <laughs> their business enemies. And so they're like, and she's like, hey, I have a way to do it without you even like getting near the person. What a great marketing <laughs> strategy. She made a lot of money really quickly. I noticed you have this problem. I have a solution. <laughs> yes. And no one would know. We don't know how many murders she was responsible for, but it's an un- like uncounted amount of murders that wow. she's either directly or indirectly responsible for. That's insane. I mean, I, I imagine that it would be hard to have proof of her involvement. Yeah. But again, not that that, not again, I haven't mentioned this yet. It didn't really matter in ancient Rome if you were guilty or not a lot of the times. Right. That was inconsequential because she did end up in prison uh, a few times, or at least twice. Yeah. But she was released both times due to her aristocratic connections. Yeah. In Rome, it mattered more who you know. Exactly. Yeah. Rule of law was kind of nice. It was... Nice if justice was done, but it wasn't necessarily... Expected. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly. I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh Uh-huh. So what was her method of poisoning, right? There's Mm. there's a few that are attested to. So the main one being Atropa Belladonna or Deadly Nightshade. We've talked about that before in previous episodes. And we have, yes. I cannot remember which one, but... And two, I think, well, referenced in two instances, one and... Actually, an old uh, Italian poisoner who made that poisonous soap. Julia Tofana. Yep, exactly. I didn't think you'd remember. Interesting. Um, or the, the water that she'd make had belladonna in it. And then, I don't know if it was in that same episode, but or I think maybe when we were talking about tuberculosis, women would put belladonna in their eyes oh. to make their pupils like giant. Oh, that's insane. That's so stupid. <laughs> wow, thank you. Yes. I, okay, I remember those now. 
Um, this plant has come up in multiple episodes. I know. And it is interesting, too, like the parallels between Lacusta and Julia Tofana. But mm-hmm. anyways, I don't want to go down that rabbit hole because we could stay here all day. Yeah. But the Deadly Nightshade is the one that's attested to the most. Mm. Um, we do know that she used other plants and poisons like arsenic, henbane, mandrake, aconite, um, colchium, hellbore and you extract damn she really knew her stuff that's a long roster of poisons yes oh as well as amanita phalloides or aka death cat mushrooms death cat mushrooms that's a great band name that is a great band name okay weirdos one of you you weirdos has to start a band named death cat mushrooms please 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 and let us have backstage passes please well, anyways, back to our narrative. We're in 54 AD, and Lacusta has found herself in jail once again. But now, Agrippina the Younger, again, uh, sometimes known as Agrippina Minor, contacted Lacusta, and sh- she got her to work on something really big. <gasps> Exciting. Agrippina wanted Lacusta to make a poison to kill her husband, Claudius, the Roman Emperor, Claudius. Oh, shit. <laughs> That's big. <laughs> That's really big. There's yeah. like no one more scary to try to kill. Yes. Oh my gosh. It's a big deal. Um, so there's a few reasons as to why. The main one being that this would elevate Agrippina's son, uh, Nero, to the purple or to being the emperor. Great idea. Um, and this is the infamous Nero that we <laughs> know of. Not a great idea in hindsight. She was a visionary. Yes. Um, the reason being is that Nero was not the biological son of Claudius. Um, Damn. He was a stepson. And Claudius did have a living biological son at this time who was younger. <laughs> so she probably felt like her time was getting, you know, was shortening. Yeah. To have her son ascend to power. Exactly. Cause, yeah. Because as soon as the age gap starts to close, they're obviously going to go for the biological son. Right. Yeah. And Claudius... His biological son is named Britannicus. Just FYI. That's a cool name. Britannicus. Mm-hmm. It's kind of ridiculous because they would give those kind of cognomens out um, to someone who like you conquered a new area, right? So like the most famous one is Scipio Africanus. Yeah. Because he cap you know, he conquered North Africa. Really it was just like Carthage. Yeah. Um but like this was like a thirteen year old boy. <laughs> Yeah, he d- hadn't conquered anything yet. Isn't it the same with Germanicus? No, Germanicus did indeed. He earned it? He did earn it because oh, okay. he did. He led um, punitive campaigns against the uh, the Germans and he did conquer new areas, but immediately withdrew. It was just a punitive campaign. Oh, okay, okay. Um, Yeah, I'd, again, that that's a really good example, but I, I wanted, I could go down that rabbit hole <laughs> like crazy as well. Um. So she's like, help me kill my husband. Help me kill my husband. Do you think Claudius also sucked as a husband? Probably. Yeah. Because this wasn't even the first wife to try to kill him. He had another wife that tried to kill him. (laughs) That's so embarrassing. Also, Claudius was kind of seen as like a bumbling fool. Oh, yeah. Which is kind of unfair because he was actually, of all the Julio-Claudians besides Augustus, he was the best. Yeah. Um. I mean, look at who who you're also running up against. Tiberius, who was insane. Ew. Caligula, who was even more insane. Boo. And then Nero, who was also insane. Yeah. So. 
Well, why did his first wife try to kill him? Do you know? Um, I think she was having an affair. Damn. And she wanted to install that guy as the emperor. <laughs> but I kind of feel bad for Claudius now. I do feel a little bit... Like, he he also oversaw the, the conquest of Britain. Yeah. Which... Um, so then he named his son Britannicus? Yes. Yeah. So it was like a hereditary title, which isn't supposed to be. Yeah, it's not but supposed again, to be a thing. But again, a lot of like this being a Roman emperor thing is still kind of new. And yeah. And so you, you, I mean, you could get away with whatever. That's so interesting. Have you read the book, I, Claudius? No, I haven't, but. I'm really interested in reading it. I am too, because it shows, I think, from his perspective, because he was a little bit older. Yes. He knew Augustus. Yeah. Right? It's like a fictionalized first person telling. Exactly. Of his story. Yeah. And I know like Livia Drusilla is kind of seen as like a Lacusta character, right? A poisoner. Yeah. Someone who, who like uses I mean, not subterfuge. That I, not that I support that at all. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. We could just talk about ancient Rome all day. Okay. Now going back to the story though, Lacusta um, and Agrippina. Agrippina, like we understand her motive, why she wants to kill her her husband claudius yeah um but how are they going to do it right depending on the source it could have gone down actually a couple different ways and we'll see this is a a theme throughout this episode okay so either she brewed some of that deadly nightshade that we're talked about which claudius drank and then died or she fed him poison mushrooms possibly those death cat mushrooms damn which made him sick but did not actually kill him and then this would be quickly remedied by his doctor. Um, interestingly enough, his doctor was named Xenophon, but it's not the Xenophon that we had mentioned in the Sacred Band of Thebes episode. Oh, okay. Um, by like shoving a, a feather down his throat, right? To induce Make vomiting. Him throw up, yeah. But the feather was poisoned. Shut up. <laughs> yes. Um, whether the doctor knew that or not also differs on the source as well. Interesting. So... Regardless of it all, Claudius was dead in 54 AD, and Nero would ascend as the new emperor. But little did he know that he would be, you know, the fifth and last emperor of the Julian-Claudian dynasty. Yeah, because they all suck. Because they all sucked. Yeah. So immediately after the assassination, Lacusta was thrown in jail and implicated in the plot. What? By Agrippina. Shut up, Agrippina. That's not nice. I mean, and the beauty of it, here's the genius of it. No one was going to believe that Agrippina orchestrated this. No, of Lacusta, course not. Like, who's going to, who are you going to believe? Some, like, random Gaulish girl? Yeah. Or, like, an the heir to, like, yeah. The wife of one emperor, the mother of another. Exactly. Like, who has more power? And who has, like, a family lineage going back to, like, Augustus and Livia, you know? Like, yeah, even if they do, even if someone did believe, like, yeah, I bet Agrippina did hire her, you're not going to say that. Exactly. Because it didn't matter if you were actually guilty or not in ancient Rome. Yeah. The so, optics matter. The optics are what matters, yes. However, though, she, Lacusta was saved by Nero, who saw that she could probably be pretty useful in disposing of his enemies. That's true, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'm not um, a big Nero fan, so I'm like, damn, I guess he's right. <laughs> Classicists, you know, sometimes analyze this as her complicity in the plot to have killed Claudius. Mm. So almost like using this as kind of like proof, like, hey, this is your reward. Like, I'm breaking you out of jail. I see. Yeah, I would think so. Yeah, so she was pardoned, basically. For sure. And either way, Nero commissioned her to kill his stepbrother, Britannicus. Oh. Pretty much immediately. 
No. Yeah, he's only 13 years old at this time. I had a feeling that would he happen. He was young. Um, she was a state-sponsored poisoner now, and Lacusta was going to concoct a poison to kill Britannicus as swiftly as possible, but to make it seem natural. Uh-huh. Um, Lacosta most likely opted for like some sort of arsenic poison in this endeavor, but it was not effective, and Britannicus ended up living. He's young. Yeah. Yes, he's young. This enraged Nero so much that he personally flogged Lacusta. Wow. He's such a great guy. I mean, yeah, he's a peach. Oh, my God. He's like, you didn't kill my little brother. I'm going to whip you now. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, so he was just really dumb. Yeah. I mean, like, I think he was a spoiled brat. Yeah, I of mean, course. We're, we're, we keep on going to that, right? That theme there. That's what happens when you inherit essentially almost like absolute power. Yes. When you're raised to think like this is what you're going to get. And he, he wasn't like he was he was like in line for the throne, right? Necessarily yeah. like like from birth like Commodus was. Yeah. But he did he did grow up in a absurd wealth, right? Like he yeah. has a lineage to Augustus. He has yeah. a lineage to Livia, yeah. right? Even though they never had kids together. Yeah. Um so he was like I, he saw, he grew up in proximity. Kind of like to power. nobility, yeah, basically. He, he had nobility, and he had like insane wealth that like most even senators couldn't even dream of. Yeah. So we're gonna go to a dinner party now. The following year in uh, what was it fifty five A D? Okay, let's go. So Lacusta managed to get the poisoned poor little Britannicus, which killed him quickly. Mm. And this story is actually kind of interesting because um, Britannicus was brought a hot wine, which was tasted by his official food taster. So everything was hunky-dory, right? Yeah. Not so. Britannicus wanted to cool down his wine, so he added some water to it, which was common in the ancient world, both in Greece and in Rome. Yeah. Uh, But the thing was... The water was poisoned, most likely with the belladonna. Oh. So he had fits. And as he was dying, like in front of people at a dinner party, Nero ordered everyone to leave him be, claiming that Britannicus was just having an epileptic fit, which he did suffer from. Oh. So he's just like, yeah, let him be. He's just, he's fine. But he's literally dying in front (sighs) of people. That's so terrifying. What terrifying final moments to have. Yeah. Even Tacitus, the Roman historian writing just like a couple of decades later, would write that the boy, quote, immediately lost alike both voice and breath. Oh. I know. Nero was a real son of a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I really, real, there's, there's a few Romans that I think I, or historical people that I like hate more than Nero. Like, yeah. Really, really dislike He's just so guy. terribly selfish. Terribly selfish and just a horrible no redeeming qualities yeah so it's interesting though i could be i'm not gonna go down this rabbit hole too much i could be um a little bit corrupted by the ancient sources though because they always wanted to make sure he they painted him the worst light possible that's true he was a bad person don't get me wrong but they also you know tended to possibly twist so we don't know for certain like how evil nero actually was is nero the one that kicked his pregnant wife yes okay I think he's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah. Again, though, that was like 
some of those authors that just absolutely hated Nero. Yeah. But I think that's true. I think that's true. I think he did. Didn't think, she die? Yeah, she did. Yeah. And their child. Like he, he wasn't trying to kill her. Right. I guess to his... To his... Benefit? Yeah. Uh, but he kicked her and she died. So, yeah. We're not Nero fans we're here. We're not Nero fans. We're not Nero stans. No. No. So, anyways, though... The time, this time, now that the poison worked on Britannicus, Nero was very pleased with Locusta and her services. In fact, she, uh, she was rewarded handsomely. Nero gave her multiple estates, as well as servants to tend to them. Nice. He also instructed her to create a school for assassinations. <laughs> I'm not joking. Make a school of assassins for me. Yes. Okay. So even it's totally not delusional. Totally not delusional. Even sending her pupils to instruct. Oh right? wow! So basically, creating like an ancient Roman equivalent of like a CIA hitman school. That would be such a cool like fiction series. I don't know of like the students at La Costa's assassin school. Ooh, that's a good Weirdos, idea. Weirdos, get on it. Get on it, guys. <laughs> I want to read that. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I love how we're like, oh, we should do that. We're like, no, no, you guys do it. We <laughs> Start the band, <laughs> make the, make the books, make the TV shows. Those are some really good ideas. Damn. Yeah. Thank you. you guys got to get on it. <laughs> so a much later source claimed that she was given slaves uh-huh. and prisoners to even conduct experiments on. Oh, hell and no. This, this is kind of where that her being the first serial killer comes from. Yeah. Because if true, then yeah, she's like the first attested to serial killer ever. Wow. Cause that means awful. that would imply that she like personally least... was doing it over and over again, just to hone her skill of killing. Right. And at the, and the best light possible, she was amoral, right? Yes. And the worst light possible. She enjoyed this. Yes. Either way, it does not good. Do you think that to be a serial killer, you need to enjoy it? Is that what you're... I think it needs to bring some sort of satisfaction. Interesting. Because I don't... That's not within the definition. I know, but you always see that with serial killers. They they enjoy it. They get off on it. Like in some way, right? Yeah. It's, it could be different. Yeah. But they always... No, oh, it, it creeps me out. I can't even talk about it. Of course. It's terrifying. Yeah. It's like, how do you enjoy that? That I would, if I had to kill someone, I would be traumatized for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like, because you have like, a normal. Even in self-defense. I know. You have a normal brain. You're a good person. Yeah. That's interesting, though, that you see it that way. I feel like, I think you could be a serial killer and not enjoy it. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Well, then you, we might disagree <laughs> on her classification of a serial killer. Okay. Okay. Marriage in shambles. <laughs> okay, so now we're going to skip ahead a little bit to the downfall of Lacusta. I had a feeling this was coming. So, unfortunately, in the ancient world, again, we just sometimes get a period where we don't know what happens and people fall off the historical record. And that happens to Lacusta for like 15 years. Yeah. She just falls off the historical record, right? Which probably means things are going as planned for yes. Nero. I think so too. If something was not going according to his plan, I bet it would show up again. Right. Or if she was involved in some huge plot. Yeah. But anyways, she's finally mentioned um, about 15 years later. But before we get to her, let's talk about Nero mm -hmm. again. So he was un incredibly unlikable. Yeah. Incredibly unlikable. I mean, he did 
like it's not part of Lacusta's journey, but he did like five years later after uh, Claudius was murdered, he ended up murdering his own mother. Agrippina gets murdered too. Yes, by wow. Nero. There's actually a rather absurd and somewhat mysterious kind of story around her murder, but they all like, cause all the sources differ from each other, but they all do agree that he tried to have her sink on a boat in a lake first. Oh yeah. Like really just weird. That's a weird way to do it. Yeah. She survived, but then was killed later. Okay. It's not important. Nero was hated throughout Rome and it's, it's hard to know like what he actually get again, did or did didn't do because all the writing from this time in the next like hundred plus years is just was, inflammatory. Oh, inflammatory and incredibly anti-Nero. Yeah. Again, but there it's probably because there's a basis for how because he was such a terrible person. But yeah. it's being exaggerated. Yeah, you're right. So I mean even his role in like the in Rome burning in that great fire of Rome yeah. is most likely exaggerated and he probably wasn't even there, let alone had was playing complicit. the fiddle. Yeah, playing the fiddle. <laughs> Um, again, that's my own personal interpretation, but that's what I think. Um, but again, this kind of goes to show that people's hatred of him in 68 AD got to such a point that the governor of a large Spanish province declared himself as the new emperor and Nero had to flee Rome as his life was in danger. Mm. Um, again, there's, there's a lot of evidence that he was hated, but amongst, interestingly, the lower classes... There seemed to be periods of mourning for him oh. after he died. So, like, kind of leading us to believe that maybe he wasn't as hated universally as, like, the authors would want us to To believe. Think. Yeah. yeah. Um, ultimately, though, he would commit suicide, but interestingly did not use the poison that was given to him by Lacusta, funny enough. Oh, so she made him a poison. Like, a very fast acting, like, okay, take this if you're captured kind of thing. Like, almost like the cyanide pills of like a hundred years ago okay and he chose not to use that method yeah and instead being stabbed okay maybe he lost his poison or something mm -hmm. so i mean it's really interesting because there's this famous story that like nero and the he woke up in the middle of the night in his palace and everyone was gone like mm -hmm. he even tried to get like a servant or a slave to like come assist him in suicide and no one was there like no one to even have him killed oh like he wow. was just abandoned that's why he fled rome yeah so but Nero's now dead, and Lacusta's life is in danger because she was seen as an accomplice to the deceased emperor who was declared as an enemy of the state by the Roman Senate. Okay. So the new emperor, Galba, uh, had control over the military. He had the support of the Praetorian Guard as well as the Senate. That's um, what you need, the trifecta right there. Exactly. He was now in control. He was in control of like the city and control of the military. Uh-huh. That's very important this time. And... Um, He's just going to go through a purge of all of Nero's closest associates, especially ones that had committed violence on his behalf. Uh -oh. Lacusta is like on the top of the list. Uh-oh. So, and Galba certainly thought that she was responsible for murders. He claimed or accused her of killing over 400 people. Wow. it's quite a number. <laughs> yeah. She would be rounded up amongst some other close associates of Nero. A later Roman historian Cassius Dio would refer to them, these like group of people, as quote the scum that had come to the surface in Nero's days. Oh my goodness! So yeah, that's what again, and he's much later. He was writing at the time of like Commodus, mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. even after that. So very interesting. So we get to her death now, mm -hmm. um, which itself again is covered a little bit in mystery and 
absurdity. I'll get mm. to that in a second. What we know for certain is that she was dragged through the streets of Rome in chains before she was killed publicly. Mm. How she was killed publicly is Up for according debate? to legend. Yeah. Okay. Because some of this stuff is just, again, like I said, absurd. Okay. Tell us. So she couldn't be killed by poison because she had built up quite a tolerance to poisons. Mm. So she had to be offed differently. And again, here's where we get into the realm of legend. We're not really certain if either of these stories happened or one of them happened. My guess is that it isn't either. Mm-hmm. So one story goes that she was strangled and that her body was burnt at the stake um, mm. publicly. But this seems to be a little anachronistic. Yeah, they didn't do that back then. Yeah, it seems to be very much so like the 17th century witch. Yeah. Not necessarily like ancient witch. Yeah. Um, and then the next one is even more absurd. Um, and it's kind of insane, but here it goes. Like the story goes that very bluntly that she was tortured and she was sexually assaulted by a giraffe before being ripped apart by lions. Oh my God. Yeah. Like I absolutely ridiculous. just to be blunt. I do not think that happened, but it is a legend surrounding her death. So I had to share it. It sounds like she must've been seen as a very, grandiose figure and therefore the people probably made the circumstances of her death grander and grander to kind of fit the legend of her i agree because neither of those things sound plausible i agree and it's interesting you say that because mm -hmm. we're going to get into her legacy now and i think that plays into her legacy Mm -hmm. so she would go on and live in infamy um even in ancient rome after her death yeah so see, like Roman authors, again, hated Nero, everything he stood for. They thought he was the antithesis of Roman values. Okay. Right? The degeneracy, not being honorable, not having distinguished military career, et cetera. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and part of that was using the quote-unquote womanly method of killing your opponents because real men use knives or they hired people to use knives to kill their opponents. Oh. Yes. The poison is too womanly. It's too womanly. Obviously joking aside, but <laughs> at the same time, not really joking because that is more or less like what they thought. Yeah. Very, very sexist society. I mean. Yeah, especially in today's standards. Absolutely. Women had no rights. Yes. They were property. Right. right. So to do something like a woman would be to be um, like downgrading yourself, essentially. Kind of. Exactly. Especially for the emperor. Yes. Yeah. It was especially like at the time of like these people still kind of have like some sort of folk remembrance of what it was like during the Republic. Yeah. Obviously romanticizing that. Yeah. And thinking, oh, it was so much better back then. It's like, yeah, because people were getting killed by knives. People were like honorable and killing you like in the open. But that's so much more manly. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but (laughs) acts of violence are just being committed on the street. It's not necessarily a good thing. No. Anyways. Um, Lacosta was like essentially an extension of the personification of Nero's villainy, right? Okay. These authors definitely wanted to record Lacosta's exploits and made sure to shine her in the worst light possible. Yeah. I mean, in fact, like Lacosta's very existence became a way for Nero's enemies to criticize him. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, see, you align yourself with this woman from Gaul. You do this like woman thing, this foreigner thing, whatever it is. Exactly. Yeah. 
I mean, her name would even become a byword for evil itself. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so. I'd be flattered. Yeah. I mean, so yeah, going to, like, that was exactly what you were saying earlier. Yeah. It's just such a big, I don't know, like, exaggeration probably. <laughs> yeah. Of who she was and what she did. Obviously, what she did wasn't great is how she survived, but terrible. Terrible. But I'm sure the numbers are exaggerated and a lot of things around her I agree. Are exaggerated. Yeah. I absolutely agree. So even in pop culture, she would be spoken about back in the ancient world and in the modern one. Mm-hmm. So she's relevant in pop culture for a very long time. So Decimus Junius Juvenalis, or just simply known as Juvenal, and was a Roman poet. Oh. Kind of at the end of the first century, beginning of the second century. So just a few decades after Lacosta's death. Um, he would write a collection of satirical poems called The Satires. Okay. Very famous. It's a yeah. classic work, one of the great collection of satirical poems during this age. But in it, he describes a woman so good at making poisons that she was even more skilled than Lacusta. What? Yes. So that's like, she was held to like that standard. Like she was, that's what I meant. Like She's like the best of the best. She's the Michael Jordan of making poisons in the ancient <laughs> world. Oh my God, that's amazing. What a beautiful comparison. Yes, you're welcome, weirdos, for that. I'm sure Michael Jordan is flattered. I know, I really hope Michael Jordan hears that. (laughs) Anyways, more recently, she was really popular, actually, weirdly enough, in like kind of like the silent film era. So um, like the 1900s or 1901s, 1910s. Okay. um, Including a 1908 film called Humanity Through the Ages and 1911's Le Fille de la Coste. I have no idea what you just said. Yeah, I was trying my best French there, and I don't <laughs> speak French, so I just kind of like wing it. What's that mean? Uh, Les Phil's de la Coste oh, okay. is like the really crappy American <laughs> French. I love it. Don't Doesn't that mean like the children of a cust or something? The girls of... F-I-L-S? Yeah, the, the girls. Oh, the girls. Okay. So you know what I was saying. Yeah. That's good enough. <laughs> Anyways, she was referenced numerous times and it even has a chapter named after her also in the classic novel, The Count of Monte Cristo. Really? Yes. Yeah, so again, like she's really remembered in pop culture. I mean, even even in a Doctor Who episode in the 60s too. Really? Yeah. That's so cool. Um, what's interesting also- That's how you know you've made it though. Exactly. Doctor if you're in Who. Doctor Who. What's interesting about her is that we have no words attested to her. Whether said out loud or written, she is entirely voiceless. Wow. So we have no idea really how she felt about any of this. Exactly. And that's what like her actions or she lives lived on solely through her actions. And I had this revelation when I was finishing up my notes on her. Yeah. And it would just be so interesting kind of to your point to hear like her thoughts and read up on motivations, but uh, like of why she did these things. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Did um, she enjoy it? Did she not enjoy it? Exactly. Was she doing it? Like she hated it, but she knew this was how she had to survive. We have no idea. No idea on any of that. We know only it sounds like from what the men report about her. Yes. And to me, it just really irks me that we'll never know because just like that side of brain in me, it's like, it's the investigative side. I like, I need to know and I'll never know. And it, that yeah. just really, really bugs me. And obviously the authors we have describing her are biased against her because of her association with Nero. Exactly. And I wouldn't trust them to like look into her insights, maybe report facts. Even then they'll embellish things, Yeah, but not necessarily like 
insight because that will just be way off. Wow. Yeah, you're right. Regardless, though, her legacy uh, certainly lives on to this day. And that, my fellow weirdos, is the story of La Custa of Gaul. Yay. Thank <laughs> you so much, babe. And you know what? It seems like you got a little bit better during this the story time. Yeah, I could feel my energy waning now. <laughs> but the story definitely like hyped me up. Nice. And now I'm probably going to go sleep again, even yeah. though that's all I've been doing. There we go. You you sound a lot better than you did yesterday, so that's good. Good. And I have to say, I think earlier you said the French word was F-I-L-S. Yeah. That means sons, not girls. I'm sorry. Okay. Just needed to correct myself. No, fair enough. <laughs> this was amazing, though. I had never heard of her. I had heard of a lot of the escapades of Nero, unfortunately, but I had never heard of her, of La Costa. Yes, exactly. And I mean, Nero is so well attested to in history. And again, that's kind of the... For me, it's like the point of history for weirdos, right? Like highlight people, good and bad, that aren't really talked about. Exactly. And Lacusta, she is, like, you know, like, it's not like no one ever talks about her, like, clearly, right? She's referenced, like, throughout the centuries. But, you know, in the, our popular imaginations. Yeah, exactly. Especially with Roman history. I mean, very rare do people ever talk about women unless they are, like, like Associated Olivia Associated with men. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Right? And they're powerful in their own right. Yeah. No, that was so, so interesting and... This was great. I I also have to tell the weirdos that you had decided that since I started off the month with like a murder, that we had to do a murder theme for the month, which I was not aware of. Yes, we were doing a murder theme, a historical murder, historical historical true crime. Historical true crime for January. Yes. And so weirdos, kind of like wrapping this up, I want to know what you guys think. So especially if you're listening on Spotify, leave a comment and let us know. Do you think Lacusta mm. was a serial killer or not? I'm genuinely curious. And again, if you don't, if you think she is, I will not be offended. I promise. I think she is. Yeah, our marriage is over. <laughs> you just said you wouldn't be offended. You promise. I promise. It was. I lied. <laughs> I think just by like textbook definition, like leaving no room for nuance. Yes, you could categorize her as a serial killer. Nice. Okay. Well then. She would be the fir- world's first serial killer. But you think no. I don't think so. And you think because we don't understand her motives, we can't categorize exactly. her. I think she was used as a pawn for mm. the machinations of very powerful people. Yeah, I could see that. And then I could, that's a really good argument. And she was simply doing this to survive. Yeah, I like that. I like that interpretation. Weirdos, let us know. Yeah, let us know, guys. I'm really curious. So... If you're listening on Spotify, again, you can uh, leave a comment and let us know. And last, but certainly not least, my sources for this episode, mm-hmm. we have History Hit, um, All That Is Interesting, AncientOrigins.net, Classical Wisdom, and I even use the ancient sources themselves, Tacitus or <gasps> Annals by Tacitus, and then The Life of Nero by Suetonius. Oh my gosh, look at you, so professional. And then Wikipedia. And then Wikipedia. <laughs> balanced. It's perfectly balanced. Well, thank you, Andrew, for helping me feel better, at least for a little while, with story time this week. Thank you, weirdos, for listening. Do not forget, especially like at the start of the year, it really helps us if you rate, review, or share an episode that you really like with someone. We really appreciate you guys and how much you've helped us grow. So let's keep doing it. And otherwise, until next week, weirdos. Until next time, weirdos. Adios. Goodbye. Goodbye.